Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Officer Dave, Tevin Pittman, and Andy Rampernard. I have to dig our guest information out of the trash. Thanks a lot. <laughs> what the, what happened there? How come they didn't? Why why weren't they there before? Uh, there was some confusion on my end with communicating with Art uh, as far as what time that both of them were going to be on. So basically, it was a fumble on your part. Yep, I'll take full responsibility for that. That's just great. I love it, Devin. Shoulder up, buck up to it. Eh. It's nobody That's else's it. fault but my own. <laughs> Remember what the skipper said on the very famous McHale's Navy? Tevin, I could just scream. (laughs) (laughs) McHale, I could just scream. Remember when he used to say that to him all the time? It was a phenomenal show. But, yeah, good. I'm glad you got got a hold of them because uh, Taste of Love, the film, premieres on Hallmark Channel on Monday, next Monday, February 19th. It's at 8 p.m. We have Susan Gallagher and Martin Cove coming on in uh, just a couple of minutes. Whenever they're ready to go, we can get that taken care of. Perfect. Uh, Josh Arnold, of course, will be with us. He's He's on the road as we speak, so he'll be calling in too, which is a good thing. So anything new, uh, Officer Dave? What's the latest? Ham show this weekend, baby. Medina the Ballroom. What show? Hams, like the beer. Like Hams the beer, yep. A Hams beer they have a show? show? Yep. Literally memorabilia, signs. Oh, all kinds like, of a, stuff. like a museum kind of thing. Well, kind of. Is it Big kind of, swap meet. Type yeah, like Comic Con, except for <laughs> Hams beer. Except for Hams beer. You got it. Huh. Do you guys remember Ham's the Beer Refreshing? Ham's, ham's the Beer. Yep. It's a great jingle. Wasn't it? It was a bear, the Ham's Bear, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But then it you know, might get kids to drink beer, so that wouldn't be bad. So we would Well, I tell you what, though, it was either Ham's or Grain Belt. They're going to drink one or the other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's just a fact. Then Pfeiffer came along because oh, that was like three bucks a case. Yep. There, <laughs> there was a guy, though, I'll tell you, Tom, when I was, when I was a young man, he would buy red, white, and blue, Pfeiffer's, all that stuff. But he kept his refrigerator at about 33 degrees. Oh, that stuff was good. Oh, yeah. i you know, I got to be honest with you. I haven't had many bad beers in my life. I used to love beer. Yeah. There, I suppose there are some bad beers that have too much sugar in them or too much something. Uh, when you I have to know. start putting fruit and stuff, flavors into beer, I'm out. Just give me yeah, old. yeah, yeah. I understand. Straight ahead beer cores. Yep. I remember used to have to drive to like Colorado to buy <laughs> yep. it and, the, when they first started out. Yep. Yeah, you did. There were all those things, all those very famous deals going on with beer in America. I just, I don't know. Beer is kind of just, and I know it was probably invented in Western Europe or something. The Germans or somebody who invented beer. Does anybody know? Uh, I think it was a monk actually. It was yeah. a monk. Yeah, a monk in like England in the 10th century or something yeah, like that. It was a very long time ago. 
it does not surprise me that they've come up with booze at the old, uh, well, uh, look, if you're never getting any action in the sack, <laughs> of course you're going to drink a lot of beer, right? <laughs> One or the other, beer. right? Oh, wait, never mind. The Sumerians weren't thought to invent, have invented beer. Sumerians? That would be 8,000 B.C. 8,000 B.C., really? So, I don't know what I was thinking of. God. There is some, there's like a monk invented something. Maybe it was like whiskey. Who knows? Alcoholism. But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> fermented grain uh, beverages are older than history. Older than history. So it's, There's Josh Arnold popping in with us. There you are. What's happening? Oh, he's got his red shirt on today. He's fired up and ready to go, ladies and we gentlemen. We are fired up. We've got Tiger Red on. So I've never Thanks. asked a Jew this personally on the show, but uh, do you drink a lot of alcohol? No. <laughs> there you go. Right. There's your answer right there. I have I've known, I think, maybe two nice Jewish boys that would even drink at all. When the when all of us got together, but yeah, I, Jews in my life have never been big drinkers. That's pretty much true. Although my kids like to drink, and the uh, bar bill at my daughter's wedding was equal to the food bill. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's because now, I'm not sure whether that's attributable to the uh, to to the uh, Jews who were there, uh, the Irish Catholics That's who were there the from her yeah. husband's side, yep. or just an age an age thing. Well, well, what was the food that was served? Because that makes a difference. If you were serving like ham sandwiches, then that's <laughs> gone lower. Or if it was, no, you know, we're, we're $80, talking, $80 Kevin, a plate. Kevin, you can ask, ask Tom. I, I'm not big into ham sandwiches. This is, a, this is a, not the wedding at the fire hall. This is this is a very nice wedding. We had mm-hmm. three choices. We had uh, steak, uh, sea bass, okay, or or chicken. Yep. Okay, wow. so that means the tab we was high. And the, and the appetizers included uh, lobster bites. Look at you. So yeah, that means that, that then and, they really there, did a dent and, at the bar. Then dessert. Who wanted a wedding cake? I said we're going to have. We're going to have a. Um, Chocolate chip cheesecake with a brownie crust. Ooh. Oh, my God. That sounds good. You just brought back this magnificent memory to me as a little boy because I asked a friend of mine's grandfather, um, sir, do you ever do you ever drink alcohol? And his response was, goyish anachis. <laughs> Gentile <laughs> pleasures. <laughs> I remember that as a little boy, man. I thought it was wonderful. You know what I mean? I learned how to speak Yiddish starting well, that you, day. You, you grew up in a very interesting neighborhood. I did. My God. I, seriously. And I'm telling you again, all this bullshit they throw at you from both of these parties. My neighborhood was basically Catholic white people, black people, and Jews. And I don't remember any of us ever screaming in the streets about how much we hated one another. Everybody no. got along. Everybody was in the same boat, pretty much, in your neighborhood, Tom. Well, that's pretty much true, yeah. So I just, like I said, I learned so, I was so lucky to learn so many things about so many different cultures growing up in that neighborhood. I just, I thought I was the luckiest guy in the world. Poorest damn, uh, I would say, poorest damn area in the five-state area, I would imagine. But we loved it. I had a great time, as a matter of fact. 
Look at all I learned. Yeah. Well, we'll call it all the hate and divisiveness only adds to somebody's ability to go out and get votes and get in power. And then to stay in power, they have to maintain that divisiveness um, and hate for the other. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole deal, isn't it? But eh, what are you going to do? So Josh and I had a nice phone conversation yesterday talking about investments, things like that. I talk to Josh about that quite often. What's your, how can people reach out to you again? Because I've had some people ask me how to get a hold of you. Well, they pick up the phone because I'm an old guy. <laughs> I like to talk to people. I know. I'm an <laughs> old guy. And we the- talk to people face-to-face. We don't uh, – I'm not big on email or – text messaging, although I do do that, uh, they can call me at 952-925-5608. Sounds good. Tevin, you had something? Oh, I was going to say, we got Susan on the line for you guys. Susan, how you doing? Martin, too. And Martin, Hi, yes. we have Susan and Martin. Oh, Martin, you're with us too? Great. Martin, it's been a while since I talked to you. It's great having you on again. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing extremely well in the taste of love, a pigeonholed chef, Erin Cahill, frustrated by her current circumstances and determined to make her name for herself, returns to her small town in Florida to find that her parents, played by Susan and Martin, are selling the family restaurant and want to retire. What are you two doing to your child? <laughs> well, you're trying, we're trying to retire and do a little traveling and have some fun. Well, I suppose I can understand that. But here's what I also don't understand. Now, Martin, uh, I've been a big fan of yours forever. You know that. I've talked to you many, many times before. But Susan, isn't it kind of tough for you to play the mother of a woman that's the same age you are? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, no, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I am honored to play Erin Cahill's mom. And she is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. That is wonderful to hear. And I love uh, being, being Marty's wife. Yeah, his TV wife. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. He's an excellent individual. The, uh, by the way, it's called A Taste of Love. The film premieres on the Hallmark Channel next Monday, February 19th. Is that uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time? Is that correct? Or is it Central Time? That is correct. It is Eastern Time. Okay, so 7 o'clock Central yes. for the people in Minneapolis. I, yeah, this is the kind of well. First of all, I, and I, Susan, I, I've talked to Martin about this before. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cobra Kai and the rest. You did such a great job with that, Martin. Coming back from well, I don't want to tip anybody off, but somebody or something along the lines comes back from the dead, kinda, which I liked. I got to be honest with you, I thought it was terrific. You mean the initial, the initial character coming back from the dead at the beginning yes. of the season? Yeah, I mean, everybody thought he was dead, and somehow that was spread out. And then he comes in to, you know, episode 10, season one, and the real story has only just begun, you know. No question. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was precious, and they set that up so that it would be a real hook into the second season, and people would, you know, would tune in because they couldn't believe I was, now going to participate in Johnny Lawrence's life, you know, but it's all good writing. It's all terrific writing. And that's why the show is so popular. And now we're shooting season six right now. It's very exciting. 
Um, but the real characters, you know, I love doing this vulnerable character and working with Susan and my son. Sure. This this movie of the week is a real terrific little piece. You know, I got to be honest with you. Movies of the week have been a big hit in my house for a long, long time. Uh, I know that a lot of people. It kind of makes me sad to tell you the truth. That not a lot of people go to movie theaters. Oh, was that your plane flying over right there, Susan? Uh, yes, that was. Yeah, he's landing. <laughs> no, we're, we're we're in the plane now. We're we're piloting the plane and we're okay. landing. That's what you just heard. Yeah, homeless Lynn is piloting the plane. That's <laughs> that's a magnificent the only idea. charter. Honest to God, it's a magnificent idea, no question about that. Um, I do like a lot, A Taste of Love. It's basically about family, is it not? I mean, I I love movies about family. My family's very, very important to me, and I won't get into the reasons why, you know, childhood things that now uh, I've been married to the same woman. It'll be 40 years in, in July. We have two kids. Andy's on the show with us, as a matter of fact. Our daughter on during the week. Uh, stories about family, I love them. People, do, do Americans still love stories about families like this? I would imagine. I think so, too. And it's so special because Jessica, Martin's son, is the, the male lead. Um, so not only was the story about a loving family, um, but, you know, we had real family working together. You know, and don't you- it's, always, it's always a guess to do something with with family because, you know, I personally think that in my business, you know, the, the last director and producer and publicist you work for are not going to show up on your deathbed. You know, it's yeah. family. It's family. And to me, that, that, you know, it's become more and more important to me as the years have progressed in my career. You know, I'm in this business a long time and and at the beginning, well, the career was the most important thing and family was secondary. Now, you know, this movie reflects all the true values that I have. That, you know, family is the most important and being a grandfather, you know, is a joke, me being a grandfather, but <laughs> it is such a pleasure to, you know, have a little grandson and, and um, it's great working with, you know, with my son. You know, it it just adds another element to the creative process, you know? And I think it's a good example for Americans because right now I tend to be pretty centrist in my views. So I, I, I don't hate the right and I don't hate the left. I, I really wish they would present a better picture for young people that maybe having a great family life together, uh, no matter how your family's structured and all the rest of it, that maybe life isn't as bad as people like to make it. Uh, in the political arena, I think movies like this really do help people out that, hey, uh, from day one, when I met Catherine, I wanted to have a family. We did. Andy, like I said, our son was born first. He's on the show right now. Today, Alex born a couple of years later. Nothing means more to me than family. That's why I was so interested in A Taste of Love. This is very, very, I think it's very important, don't you? Well, there's no question about it. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think the vulnerability of the character would have come out if there wasn't a closeness on the set with all mm-hmm. the people. You know, we created that family because my son's playing the lead. Aaron is so open. Susan is so open, you know, and the producer who brought us all on is very much an everyman. 
And, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm in the midst of creating The Prodigal Son, a comic book about a 12-year-old kid and an ancient gunfighter who's a monster and how they bond together as family and, and share moral fiber off of each other. And I, my primary motivation was that I don't think kids have heroes these days. Yeah, I don't think, good point. I don't think kids have heroes. And Marvel comic books is not the heroes. That's all special effects. I don't think they have the John Wayne or the Clint Eastwoods or, or the Cary Grants or any of those heroes we had growing up, you know? And I, I want to leave that as a legacy. So it's funny you mentioned family being so important. You know, it's it's really, you know, in working with Susan and working with Aaron and working with my son, the family dynamic created really a good performance for all of us individually as well as a family. See, I think that's wonderful news, Martin. I really like that take on that. The only problem I do have with family, the one problem I do have with family is that Andy and Alex's uh, mother, Catherine, my wife, Catherine, I'm their father also, but the, the fact that people love to mention to me the fact that Catherine's far too good for me really gets kind of old, if you know what I mean. Yeah, congratulations on almost 40 years. That's amazing. 40 years. That's 40 just years. Just in Hollywood. 40 years. <laughs> there's nobody who's married 40 years in Hollywood. You could move there and you would be an icon. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should do. Now, as a matter of fact, I spend a lot of time in Florida, and I noticed that your movie takes place in, in, in Florida, correct? Is there a specific town, or did you just make one up? Oh, yeah. It was in the charming town of Dunedin, Florida, which is outside of Clearwater. It's just yeah. adorable um, waterside community, and the entire city, the mayor, all the residents, the restaurants, everybody got involved and was so supportive. We just loved every minute of it. It is terrific. We were there last week for a film festival, the Dunedin Film Festival, and, you know, we stayed in the same hotel. We stayed at during the making of the movie. Fenway. The Fenway, and uh, we just had a ball. I mean, they gave me the key to the city, the mayor, and it was a lot of fun, you know, but the people were great. And I think I think we got a I did a western there in December in Florida, in Parish, Florida. And I think we've got to push for more movies to be made in Florida. We've got to improve yeah. their rebate system because it's a great it's a great state. I just love it. You know, and I live in Nashville. And I I you know, I've got a ranch in Nashville and I'd love to have a ranch. I'd love to have a ranch near the water because I miss the beach and I miss the water, you know, coming from L.A. and New York, you know. No, it makes total sense. Is it true, because I've heard this, but I've never checked up on it, that Hollywood, Florida was the original idea for Hollywood, people coming down by train from New York and Philadelphia and Boston coming to Florida, but then all of a sudden uh, California, the Hollywood in California got more attractive or the area because originally, wasn't Florida supposed to be the home of, of movie making many, many no. years ago? Uh, well, you know, it used to be called Hollywood East. And with yep. me, you know, have, having lived and worked in Florida for over 30 years, um, we thought that it was coming. And then it just didn't. Not, not like we, we expected it to. I mean, you, we used right. to have a lot of commercials because we have the theme parks. But a lot of those are now non-union. So... Um, I was oh. real grateful to, to be on a 
I taste of love and be able to work in Florida because I hadn't worked in Florida probably since Bloodline, which shot in the Keys. God, that's amazing. I know you guys got to get but going. Originally, but I to... originally, in the silent film era, a bit of trivia for you, is that they wanted to make films all year round. Yes. And they went to Albuquerque. And they were told that New Mexico was the place. This is, goes back to the teens. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it rained. It just happened to rain for a couple of days straight in Albuquerque. And then someone said, there's this place called Los Angeles. And let's just try and go up there. So oh. the whole a whole company of people went there, and it, the weather was so perfect. That's how Hollywood actually got to be the capital back in the early days, in the, in you know 1910, 1908, of making movies because they could make it 12 months a year, and the weather is you know appropriate. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I tell you what, keep things going. Susan Gallagher and Martin Cove with us, ladies and gentlemen. A Taste of Love, the film premieres on the Hallmark Channel on Monday, February 19th. And I'm very serious about this. I'm not just, you know, trying to push a message here. I think this kind of story is very, very important because everyone right now in the world, and certainly in the United States, is at each other's throats, and there's a lot of hatred. And I think we need to show people what love is all about, and this movie certainly fits that bill. I think you're doing very important work, and thank you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, and and honestly, I'm in agreement with you, and I make a lot of those angry, violent movies, and (laughs) I'd I'd rather play in these kind of movies than those because they're about they're about the positive parts of our world. Mm -hmm. Socialistically, we do need some assistance right now. No doubt. We need happier messages. So so I'm assuming that your characters, Susan and Martin, get along and love one another. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I love Susan now. So, you there know, you, go. you know, I mean, I'm sitting next to this gorgeous woman and, you know, she's just delicious. And we play <laughs> it, you know, we play it in the movie. And we have Love a good time, and it's all very charming. And, you know, it's, it, there's nothing negative about this. Even the right. conflicts in the movie are productive conflicts, you know? And they go someplace that's meaningful. And, you know, the relationships do as well. So uh, it's a good little picture. I hope everybody watches it and enjoys it. We definitely will. It's a great message, and thank you so much for. Next time, you guys are going to have to like come into studio. It's too much fun having uh, just having you on the phone. It's a lot of fun, but you got to come into studio someday. I'd love to have you. Where, where are you? Where are you located? Uh, right now, just uh, outside of Palm Beach. Okay, that's that's a you're, great place so yeah, I spend some time in. Oh. I actually travel around a lot, but I spend a lot of time in Florida and a lot of time in Minnesota. Well, Susan will take our plane down, and <laughs> homeless Lynn, homeless Lynn flies the seven thirty seven, and you know we convert it to private plane, and you know, and we'll land there. You know, Palm Beach is not that far. Well, I've been there many times. You know, it's it's uh, in Florida is my favorite state. I used to think. You know, Colorado was my favorite state, but now Florida has become my favorite state, you know? I understand that completely. And especially I will tell in the you winter. Something. Yeah, especially in the winter. But when you come down, I'll, there's a new restaurant open down here in, in Indian Town on Indian Town Road called Tavolina. 
We'll go have some Italian food and laugh it up. It'll be a great time. That'd be great. I've got a home in Jupiter. My son's down there and my little grandson. So um, I'm there quite often in the winter. Well, so we'll right, have to well, try to get Marty down there. Yeah, Marty, you got to come down. Martin Cove's got to come down. We'll have a ball. We'll have a little Italian food. Well, it'll be great. Thank you so much, by the way, for adjusting your schedule, because I really, really enjoy talking to both of you, Susan Gallagher and Martin Cove. Uh, big fan in any case. But A Taste of Love is next Monday, February 19th at 8 p.m. Come back soon, both of you. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Take care of yourself. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. What a couple of nice people. Now, see, that's that's mm-hmm. what what Hollywood kind of used to be about. It was a voice of, you know, the good people and all the rest of it. I mean, Martin can put up an edge. There's no doubt about that. You watch him <laughs> on Cobra Kai. He can, be he can get guy. an edge to him. But I just love convert. I really am serious about that. I think that Hollywood has a responsibility to step up because people right now, because of our political system and the money that's involved, people just hate one another right now for no reason. You think differently than I do, so therefore I hate you. It's like, what? Calm down, for Christ's sake. You got a husband, you got a wife, you got sons, you got daughters, you got somebody you love. Let's talk about that. Not your political bullshit views. That, I mean, does anybody have a 100% perfect 
political view? Of course not. Settle down, damn it. <laughs> Josh, you left us for a while there. What would you get? You have to go pee? Oh, I, I took him off because he was doing some sort of calisthenic workout. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? This is I'm getting vertigo from watching him do whatever. So, Okay. I was just paying, paying attention. I'm just, just listening. Taste of love. I enjoyed listening, you know, Martin and Susan. Yep. Phenomenal. They're probably on their on their way to their private uh, 737 that they probably <laughs> picked up at a discount from, uh, you know, from the uh, the orange hair man. He was probably dumping a dumping some uh, aircraft. Probably, it's probably true. No question. So, how's the market looking today, Josh? I haven't checked it yet, but uh, was so. By the way, let me thank you again, and I'd like to talk to you again on on Tuesdays. Did you and Tevin talk about a time that would work work for everybody? No, we did not talk about a time that would work work for everybody. But just give a call. Tevin, well, Tevin's got my phone number. Give a call. Right. And I'll be there. Oh, that's a song. I could not I'll believe be it. There. I'm sitting there talking to AJ and I'm talking to Tevin, and I'm looking at the market and I'm like, oh, this is. Why don't we get Josh on the horn? By the time Josh was off the horn, it had dropped about 500 points. It's like, whoa, what so was that me, all you, about? You got you got me on a good day when yes. the market the market sold off on concerns about the consumer price index being too good. It's too hot. Really, market, market, uh, you know, I'll say market prognosticators, market strategists were only looking for the CPI to be up 2.9 percent, came in at 3.1 percent, and what very people, uh, very few people, talk about on TV are some of the components of the consumer price price index. 35 percent of that is housing. So, geez, if housing prices uh, we'll say mortgage equivalent rent uh, go up or stay up. That's a that's a nice chunk of of that CPI number. And housing prices and rents uh, are trailing indicators, not leading indicators. So the CPI number is more of a uh, trailing indicator than a leading indicator of what's going on in the economy. Uh, here's here's something that that probably really hit somebody's pocketbook. Uh, your health insurance cost went oh, up, God. and went up. You know, uh, I think health insurance went up twenty percent. Now, without without naming naming names, and because I am an employer and I sign the the checks, you know, for my employees, and I pay the full boat for their health care costs. There it is. Healthcare, you know, my insurance cost went went up. As a matter of fact, it uh, initially when uh, uh, we'll say a different type of healthcare legislation passed uh, many years ago, my insurance cost for my employees doubled. Uh, now. But in any case, insurance costs are up. Fixing your car went up. The cost of delivering products went up. Now, nobody bothered to say, well, geez, wages have been going up. So wages are a component in prices uh, for, for goods paid. 
Commodity prices, on the other hand, have been coming down, and they've been coming down substantially since the peak in uh, June of 2022. So here's this fear. Oh, my goodness. Inflation is, is going up measured by the CPI. We've got to sell everything because the Federal Reserve is not going to be cutting interest rates. Well, if you've been listening to, to me on this, this program or some of the other, um, we'll say, podcasts I do or radio shows that I've done, uh, or if you're a client of mine, you would know my feeling that the Fed is not going to be cutting interest rates uh, this, this year, or excuse me, this, um, we'll say, right now. Uh, they might do it in uh, May, uh, just to show they can do it. But the likelihood right now is the Fed is, is going to maintain their mantra, which they've been having now for almost two years, higher rates for a longer period of time. Until inflation gets down to their 2% target or until they break something. Uh, at the same time, uh, with the um, CPI number on Tuesday going up, you had a number of uh, strategists and economists, including an economist from uh, Citibank, came out and said, oh, things are bad. Things are bad. Super Dave, things are bad. Kevin, things are bad. They're bad. Andy, things are bad. We don't want you spending money. There's going to be a recession coming in the next few months. Sell, sell, sell. Put it in the bank. Oh, that's right. We're at Citibank. Put your money at Citibank through this recession where it's going to be nice and safe. Yeah, okay. We're going to have a recession. A recession is defined as two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. One problem with that is we've had um, six straight quarters of positive GDP growth, and the likelihood is, you're, is we're going to have another several quarters of positive GDP growth, not to mention, of course, we're coming into an election, and the party in power wants to make sure that the economy is still strong so they stay in power. Uh, Long-winded answer for um, a number of strategists with a CPI number wanted people to panic, sell stocks, uh, and they also sold bonds, uh, which bumped the yields up. Bond prices go, when bond prices go down, yields go up. And if you hold a bond-oriented mutual fund, you're going to have that happen on a regular basis. Yeah, you're going to get a little bit more yield, uh, or that's the quoted yield will be, but that's only if you add money to your bond fund because prices are down. And if interest rates come, you know, start uh, coming down, bond prices will go up. If you're holding a bond fund, however... It's not going to go up as fast as if you held an individual bond. And, of course, if you're holding a bond where you're lending money to the, to the government or a municipality or a corporation or for a mortgage, um, if you hold to maturity, you're going to get back your face value. Uh, stocks, well, stocks move 
some of the movement in stocks takes place because of where interest rates are going. Uh, but a lot has to do with how well the company is is doing, how much how much revenue they're generating and how much profit they're generating. And, of course, what kind of in- industry they're in. Uh, today, uh, market is down a little bit. Um, I could say it's Friday. It's Friday before a long weekend. So there are going to be a lot of traders who want to move to the sidelines over the weekend in case something negative happens uh, someplace else in the world. But the producer price index came in, and that was a little higher than had been expected, uh, even though the trend is more down than up. Uh, but same time, I've been concentrating more on earnings, and earnings have been doing overall much better than had been expected. I got to ask you a question because something just happened yesterday to us, and I thought of you, and I thought of the market drop, and you know, five hundred points, and all the rest of it. Uh, I have a a two thousand thirteen Mustang. It's in Florida. It's a great car. It's worth about probably $25,000 now, something like that. It's, you know, it's an 11-year-old car, but it's only got 32,000 miles on it. So the car's got a lot of life left in it. So I had to go in and get uh, some insurance, new insurance on the car this year, right? Right. This is a $25,000 car. You have to remember that. So I go in, I get insurance. The insurance is $1,000 for every six months, so $2,000 a year. So 10% of the value of the car is being charged me for insurance on that car, right? Okay. Nearly 10%. I looked at the breakdown of why it was $1,000 every six months. Half of the money, in other words, if I pay $2,000 a year for the insurance, Half of that money, $1,000 of that money, you know what that money goes to? Well, you're in, you're in Florida, but go on. Covering uninsured drivers. There are a lot of uninsured drivers here in Florida. I, I just don't understand. How am I responsible? So I'm paying 500 bucks for me and 500 bucks for you every six months. What the hell is that? Yeah. Well, that that's that's in case an uninsured driver runs into the insurance company figures uh. that that could happen in in Florida, and you're going to want your car repaired, and they're not going to be able to collect from God, that other, other other driver. Yep. As a matter of so, fact, year, years ago when I first started coming down to, to Florida, uh, sometimes you would see all these beaters on the road, and if some Somebody got in a car accident or the car stopped working, whether it was, and it didn't matter where it was, could have been on the Florida Turnpike, could have been on right. 95, right. heck, it could have been on um, uh, on Ocean ocean, ocean Drive. Right. The people in the car would just pull it off to the side, get out of the car, walk away. Now, who would walk away from any vehicle well they just walked away i guess they thought well we don't have insurance on it um not worth much we're not going to fix it we're just going to walk away and go someplace else and if they if they happen to hit you 
uh, and they were in an accident with you, they would mm-hmm. leave the car and walk away. So the insurance companies in Florida um, understand that, and you get charged so that you can repair your car, or they so, can repair your car. It's so amazing but no, it's to not me. Fair. I mean, because you're too irresponsible to pay your own insurance, I have to pay twice as much. Yeah, I would just just think your your insurance cost was up because you're in Florida, you're living, well, you're living in a, in an area that the water could rise. Mm-hmm. There could mm-hmm. be a lot of rain or a hurricane. Your car gets flooded um, and has to be replaced. So that's why and it's a good thing if you don't have a have an electric car. Well, I think you do have an electric car, but that's in Minnesota. It's in Minnesota. Uh, but if you had an electric car and it rains, man, that's that's really expensive to but fix. It does feel the uninsured motorist part does feel kind of like a scam <laughs> exactly. because what's the difference if you hit somebody that doesn't have insurance or you're involved in a single car crash or they have to like either way insurance is going to pay for it like you shouldn't just throw on that extra tag because it's an uninsured what? motorist like if you get in a single car accident where nobody else is involved they still aren't able to charge somebody else's insurance for it and your right. rates are going to go but up they'll anyway. they'll charge they'll charge you more for your premiums after your solo accident oh, okay but the underinsured stuff, it actually, that just protects the insurance company a little bit. But exactly. it, also, it mm. also covers you because they have no one to go after to get the money. Because if it's underinsured or uninsured, which unfortunately run, runs into a lot up here also. Yeah, um, it does. Even though Minnesota is one of those states, you have to have liability and no fault. Mm-hmm. And they're still. I was still stopping people who had no insurance on their vehicles whatsoever. God. All the time. It's just. It's crazy, but I'd rather I'd rather pay the extra premium and know my butt is covered, than all of a sudden I've got monster bills that I can't pay because I'm being sued for something that could easily be avoided mm-hmm. by having that underinsured, uninsured. Uh, now, what happened, Super Dave, since you've pulled, pulled people over, you know, for numerous uh, violations, uh, what happens when you find somebody who does not have a driver's license? Oh, God. They, the car gets towed um, and impounded. Okay. And you set them off on the Ankle Express. Okay. <laughs> how yeah, often? I, or, or well, the other the other thing is, how about all all these people that um, continue driving after they've been, or uh, and I don't know whether their license is taken away because of uh, drunken driving or driving under impaired conditions. Yeah, that's the it's the same 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 thing. Okay. Um, basically, if they don't have, if their license has been revoked for multiple DWIs or canceled because of medical issues, or you know, diabetics, they have to provide an ep- 
epileptics have to provide a signed letter from the doctor saying their medication is uh, covering them or controlling their episodes, let's say, uh, mm -hmm. if they f don't keep that record up with the state of Minnesota, well, then they go, they become canceled inimical to public safety. That's the canceled IPS. And basically, again, you tow the car, impound it, and send them off. you got to walk home. Sorry. You are not allowed to be driving in the state of Minnesota. Multiple DWIs happens all the time. Really? They drive on, well, they drive with, they'll go pick up a $300 car off a Craigslist or something and register it in somebody else's name. And off they go. Drive till they get caught drinking again. That is amazing. What is the world? I saw the United States record one time for the guy who had the most DUI arrests, and it was a ton. Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember the number, but it was a big. This guy had been busted for DUI. Like I don't 25 know how times many. or something. Like yeah. 25 times. Yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that much? 30. Yeah. 30? Oh. Yes. Wow. 30 times. Like Jerry you, Zeller from South you, Dakota. How do you get up past like five? Like yes. after a while, like you just, I'm sorry, you don't get to drive anymore. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. Well, see, part of the problem with that goes to, all right, well, he's paid his debt to society. He understands. He goes through, he... He does all the little things that the state says that he has to do, mm -hmm. treatment and alcohol assessments. He just They just lie their way through that stuff, and then they, like I say, pick up a $300 car, and away they go. God, it's amazing. I just, the only problem I have with that is there are people, the scammiest people on earth, who could well afford to pay their insurance. They just won't do it because they know they're covered by mm. me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. People it, like me. Yeah, it's one of those there are definitely a segment of the population where if you give them something for free, they're like, well, no, I don't ever have to pay for this again because I can Absolutely. get whatever my yep. XYZ paid for exactly. by somebody else. I just think it's bad, bad business that I should. So I pay 500 for myself and I pay 500 for you. Yep. What? Mm -hmm. Yep. My rates shouldn't go up then if I get in an accident for somebody <laughs> <Yeah>. else. No, hundred <laughs> percent they shouldn't, but it's not how business works, right. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah well, I'm not buying any insurance company stocks. That's for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's the end of it. That's the the, I'm not buying stock. any insurance company stocks, 
Now, of course, somebody say, well, what about United Healthcare? That's an insurance company stock. Well, I missed on missed on that one. They've made a lot of money uh, for a lot of people. But no, that's health insurance, so that's different than auto insurance, correct? That is that is different, but the, the cost of health insurance is through the roof, and you still are paying um, insurance not not only for you, uh, but you're covering. Um, you're covering other other people okay. as, as well as part part of that. So you get you I get mean, the for, drunk for, you get the drunk who doesn't want to take care of himself and right. ends up getting diabetes and everything else and then has to go. Yeah, that's, that's included in my my insurance. Okay. Or or <laughs> no, but, or I I got I got upset because uh, my Medicare insurance went up. Oh, Why did yes. it go up? Because, yep. um, you know, Tom's insurance probably went up as, as well. We're making too much money. Yeah, that's it. it. Oh, if you make money in America, you're going to get hammered. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, because I've, I've made money, um, I have to pay for your Medicare insurance now? I've been paying into, the, into Medicare yep. for a long time. And now I have to pay more for Medicare insurance because I'm making money. Okay. That was a new one on me. I mean, isn't that a bad message to send to people? Don't worry about paying your rent. Don't worry about paying your car insurance. Don't worry about this. Don't worry. You're telling them basically to sit on their fat ass and contribute nothing because somehow you'll be taken care of. Well, yeah, that's what they want is they want Mm. people to be helpless because if someone is helpless, then they have no choice but to vote for you over and over forever. It's all about money, isn't it? It's all about me being elected and making even more money. I just still love the fact that these people become billionaires now while they're in office supposedly serving the people. Okay. That's all I have to say is, okay. But, yeah, it's if you went through, Josh, and you know more about this than I would ever know, if you went through how much you pay for food, how much you pay for gas, how much you pay for your insurance, your house payment, your, you know, well, real estate insurance, I guess is a better way to put it, how much of our income is actually taken away to support other people who won't contribute a nickel? I bet you it's what 20 25% of what you make easily. goes to somebody else easily right easily yeah mm-hmm. but there's there's certain things we live in a society um, where we are we want good roads we want good schools sure we want, uh, sure we're we're paying we want uh, uh, protection from uh, the bad guys and from fire uh, that's fine you know, we want good sewers, so we're you're, we're all pitching in through our property taxes, uh, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, we might be pitching in a little bit more. Some people get upset. Geez, I'm paying a lot more for services than I'm getting getting back. Right. That, you know, in the form of my, um, you know, state tax or or federal income tax. You know, certain taxes, you know, everybody gets, I'll say state and state and federal taxes people get very upset about. 
oh, I'm paying way too much for that. And there are, of course, others that say, hey, I'm doing well. It's, I'm very happy to pay, pay these taxes um, because I have the ability in the United States to do things that I wouldn't have had the ability in other, other countries to do. Um, but at the same time, there was, uh, when I started in business, I was told, you know, that, uh, there was this judge, I think in the 1940s, his name was Learned Hand. Oh, real, his real name? Learned Hand. Really? Judge Learned Hand. Okay. And he's one of his, um, big, big deals is that, um, you have a legal obligation to pay the least amount of taxes legally that you can. Right. You know, looking back at this, and, and I'm going to get more wound up. Luckily, we only have about uh, 13, 14 minutes left in the show because I'm getting more pissed off as the <laughs> show goes along. Because I, I just remember like... Haste I, of love, I, just Remember. Taste of love. Just keep that in your, your head. Oh, yeah, guys. I will do that. I, I absolutely will. And I won't even say what what is, you know, Democrat, Republican, but a president of the United States decided in the 1960s that if you were going to collect welfare, dad couldn't live in the house with you. That had oh, to be one of the dumbest. The families with dependent children. That's correct. AFDC, it was called. Uh why you ever thought, well, why don't we do this? They're collecting, they're on the dole now. We're just shoveling money their way. So why don't we make sure that the dad's out of the house so they'll never make money again? Uh, because, you know, it was back in the day when a lot of women stayed home to take care of their children. Not as much as doing that, that's going on now. But I've never understood if, if my family needs to go on welfare for six months, dad can't live with us. How does that help? Well, I think the, um, I'll say the genesis of that idea uh, came from that president's, um, to some say, upbringing or the area in Texas that he That's correct. Lived, lived in, where there were, I'll say, a lot of um, lower income people where the dads had I'm not going to say it disappeared, but it gone elsewhere to work. Yeah. And he wanted to make sure that those people had, had enough money, um, I'll say, to subsist. I don't, I don't believe it was, hey, let's uh, come up with an idea where uh, the dads were going to, to stay away. Although, once that law came in, it... it change the family dynamic yes in a lot of lower income yep. um, uh, households where it was hey if the dad is not around we're going to be able to collect extra money from the government right and in, in certain uh, neighborhoods not only did that destroy it destroyed the family unit mm -hmm. it gave uh, permission to men that they did not have to shoulder any responsibility right. for fathering children. 
It's just unbelievably stupid, amazingly stupid. Right. And on top of that, you know, it it gave, um, I'll say, women started saying, oh, the more kids I care yep. out of wedlock, the more money that's going to come in. And if you notice that that seems to happen more in, you know, certain, uh, I'll say, certain areas um, of the of the country and right. among certain certain populations of the country more than more than elsewhere. And I, uh, yeah. yep. I mean, if you take now, this 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 goes a little beyond that. I think the um, the Vikings had a had a running back at one time, uh, who had was it um, five or six different children through uh, five or six different women, mm-hmm. uh, and did not support any of them. I think that's uh, or or minimal support. You know how did these. Uh, women get along because they were never married. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think it was like six or seven kids. I still remember his name too. <laughs> well, since since I'm I'm not a I'm not a uh, a Vikings football fanatic. Right. I enjoy the Vikings. I enjoy the watching the Eagles. I enjoyed watching the Super Bowl this year. Um, I lost a bet to you, Tom, on the, on the Super Bowl, so I'm going to have to cover that bet. Yes, taking you and Catherine out to, out to dinner. <laughs> that sounds good. We have a question from our listener, Jim. Okay, he would like to know what retirees should do with their 401ks. Ooh, give Josh a call. That's what you should do. Well, yes, yes I'm sure. Yeah. In turn, in- well, this I'd have to even throw this back. In terms of your 401k, if you retire from a company uh, that has a 401k, and I will make the make this, if you're working for a company that has a 401k, which allows you to put away uh, a nice chunk of money on a pre-tax basis, and many companies will add a contribution for you, uh, please do it. Uh, put put away money to the maximum in that 401k and of all the investment choices that you have take the most aggressive which in many cases is put the money in an S&P index fund on the flip side when you retire you have a choice of leaving the money in that 401k and taking the whatever uh, or continuing any choices that that you have and when you need to take money out for income, uh, you can take it out any number of, of ways, either on a monthly basis um, or you can annuitize it. I, I again recommend do not annuitize it. Uh, or if you don't want to leave it with the company, you can put that into a rollover IRA so that you do not have to pay tax on the sum that you're pulling out. Um, because if you take that money out of that 401k as cash, you're going to have to pay a substantial amount of taxes. So you would roll that over into a rollover IRA. 
And if you roll that over into a rollover IRA, uh, that could be in a self-directed IRA, which I, I recommend where you can invest that money uh, in individual stocks or in, in mutual funds. And that gives you a little bit more control of the money. Should you need income, uh, there are different ways that you can generate income from your IRA. That can come from dividends that are paid out uh, from any dividend-paying stocks, or it could be from a strategy that I learned from one of my investment heroes back in 1980, uh, John Templeton, of the, uh, who ran the Templeton Funds. Uh, and he said uh, to me, and it's a, a strategy that I've used since then, and it works uh, very well, sort of systematic withdrawal where you're selling off a portion of your growth um, on a monthly basis, and that'll generate uh, income to you. Uh, I have found that uh, you can take out a withdrawal, <coughs> excuse me, up to, uh, up to, we'll say 10% from that. And as long as you don't withdraw more than the given amount, uh, even with all the ups and downs that have happened in the in the marketplace, you should uh, do very well uh, for a long period of time. So I've I've recommended to people to roll the money over, invest that into stocks or stock oriented mutual funds, set up a, a systematic withdrawal to generate the income of, uh, to help fund your retirement. All right, we got one more listener question for Josh. All right. Uh, he says, as an Eagles fan, how do you feel about Santa? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, whoever this guy is must have been in Philadelphia at the time the Boo Birds started pelting. The, the Eagles were not doing well. Santa came out to Christmas game and got pelted by snowballs and other <laughs> objects. And Jeez. it was very upsetting to see. It's Santa, oh. for God's sake. It's Santa. Yeah, Santa got Santa pelted. with respect. Santa's always going to bring you something good, unless you've been bad, and then you get a lump of coal. And in Philadelphia, a lump of coal is going to generate a little, little bit of heat. So having a lump of coal or several lumps of coal in Christmas, not so bad. Well, there you go. A hell of a wrap up to the show today. I, I, I love the fact that we talked about all these things because I don't know the people really know. They look and go, where's all my money going? If you look at it, a lot of where your money's going with your taxes is to support people that won't get off their ass and support themselves. It's unbelievable that we have gotten to that point in this society. Look, I don't want to see anybody starving in the streets, but I also want to see people just sitting around in their ass, not willing to work, even though they're full-bodied, able. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. All have right. you seen, uh, well, I'm not, that's, that's another story about the, the tents that these, these people live in. Mm -hmm. Those are awful, awful expensive tents. They're very <laughs> expensive, and we are paying for those too. Yeah. Well, there's. Okay. Uh, I remember it was two years ago, two summers ago. There was every like outdoor store was sold out of these super expensive tents because organizations yes. were going around and buying them all and then giving them yep. to people so they could live in outside. It was wild. 
which I like to I like to see people being helped out. But look, something good has to come from it. It just can't continue to go on and on and on with no resolution. Right? Correct. Correct. Amen. All right, Josh, what's that number of people reach out to you and ask you person to person what they should do? You're going to ask me about the Eagles and the Sa- and Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I like that. That was great. Definitely an Eagles fan. Uh, 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And he's my guy, so I'm telling you, he should be your guy, too. We'll talk to you next week. Have a magnificent weekend. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you. Bye.